What are the most important things you must do in order to have people adopt your values and follow in your footsteps? Well, there's a lot of good suggestions out there. Example, 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 being authentic, being directive. Me personally, I think it's all about living a joyful life. I'll explain more about that in just a minute. But right now, my name is Yitzwine. I'm the rabbi of Young Israel, Aish of Las Vegas. And I want to welcome you to the Life is Great community. So Passover is upon us. And it is a tremendous opportunity to give people, either family members or non-family members, a wonderful memory about a Jewish experience and have them embrace Jewish values and the sense of what it means to be Jewish. Now, you know what it means to be Jewish and you want to pass that on to other people. Some of you want to pass it on to people that are your children. Some you want to influence your parents, perhaps or just friends. But what do you need to do in order to pass your values to others? So clearly, uh, let me tell you what doesn't work. What doesn't work is threatening, yelling, and manipulating people into trying to behave and do as you think they should do. That generally does not work. If you're a parent and you wanted to get your child to stop beating up his brother, and you brought out the belt, whoosh, and you hit him, well, you know what? You might stop him from beating up his brother for a few moments. But as soon as you turn your back, he's going to go right back to tormenting his sibling. Okay, so we know that's probably not going to work. So what happens if you have a true value in your life and you want to communicate it? I would share with you that one of the absolute most important things you do is share the value through example through being directive and clear while living a happy life. And the reason is because people are attracted to happy lives. And if someone looks at you and sees that you are really enjoying this Judaism thing, then they will be more likely to connect themselves with this Judaism thing because you're enjoying it. But if you're doing everything you got to do, except you're doing with a scowl on your face, even if you're controlling, biting words that might sh sharp, sharply criticize those around you, but you're just not a happy person and you're doing everything you're supposed to do, you know what? Your kids are not going to follow in those footsteps because why would they? They don't want to do that. Sometimes you look at, at, at people who are married, they have children and their children grow up and the children don't get married. Have you ever wondered why is that? So very often it's because the children grow up, they look at their parents and say, you know what, my parents, they stayed married and they were miserable. I don't want that. Who wants to deal with that one? And you might not even detect it because they might not say it. Oh yeah, my parents have been married for 50 years. How great is that? Celebrating their 65th anniversary. Why didn't you get married? Oh, I just haven't found the right one. Meaning <laughs> I looked at what my parents went through. I don't want to deal with that. So they didn't get married. So we recognize if you want your kids to get married, if marriage is an important thing for you, make sure you work on your marriage, make sure you're happy in your marriage. And you know what? So they'll be more likely to find a spouse and get married. So let's focus in on Passover and the happiness Haggadah. We're going we're gonna to talk about Passover being a tremendous opportunity to share Jewish values and what it means to be Jewish to others because it is the most, the Passover Seder is the most observed uh, Jewish ritual 
in our entire uh, amongst our entire people. So I that I would share with you that you want to go into the Seder night with a big smile on your face. So by the way, that means probably in the afternoon of Passover before you have your Passover dinner, whether it's going a short period of time or a long period of time, you want to make sure you take a nap because you don't want to be sitting at the table really tired, kind of falling asleep. Okay, that's one thing. The next thing you want to make sure is that you eat something before you come to this Passover dinner. And the reason for that is because you don't want to just be like, oh, when can we get to the food? When we can get, when can we get to the food? So you want to feed your kids beforehand. You want to feed the people around beforehand. You want to take a nap. And you know what? If you can swing this one, if you can afford it, you should try and hire some, get some hired help at the Passover Seder. If you can afford it, it's a really, really, really good thing to do. And by the way, I've never done this. <laughs> I feel so funny saying it, but I've, I've actually never done this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest to my wife this, this year. Like, in other words, if you can do it, like have someone around there. So you'll celebrate the fact that you're free while you're enslaving somebody else, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, the point is that, that, you know, make it as easy as you can on the people around you. Um, and, you know, there are some people that, you know, cater some of it. There are, there are kosher for Passover Jewish caterers that do that. And, you know, if that's going to make it a little easier, then do that as well. Right. Um, and, and the idea is just like so that when people are sitting down at the table, they're rested and they're in a good mood. Like go to the table with a smile on your face. And like there's going to be a lot of joy in the house right now. So I want to share with you just a few things about the beginning of the Passover Seder. I'm not going to go through the whole Seder right now because I want to keep this a relatively short podcast, but we'll do a follow-up to this as well, by the way. And there will be a part two on this one, and I'll give you more ideas. But I want to get you just thinking with the right kind of glasses, you know, the right color glasses going into the Seder. And but and if if you do that, you're you're going to come up with all sorts of insights yourself. And as you come up with insights, please send them to me because I'll one day write a book on a happiness Haggada, and I'll put your ideas in the book if they're good, and I won't give you credit. So, it, I mean, maybe I'll give you credit. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we can talk about that. But the idea is that that it really is a good thing if you can if you can go through the Haggada and realize that every kind of step can make you a happier person, and that and because you, all you're talking about is 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 Jewish stuff. Like then the people around you will be attacked and more attached to Jewish stuff because they'll see, boy, this stuff really makes you happy. Okay. So you're, let's talk about the first part of the Seder. There, there are 15 steps to the Seder and we're not going to do all of them right now. Um, I'll just, I, I just want to point out a few things. The first one, the first step of the Passover Seder is uh, Kadesh. Kadesh is Kiddush, right? It's, it's uh, you, you pour the first of four cups of wine. And um, and then you say a prayer, and the prayer is in the Haggadah. And, uh, you know, so so first, first of all, enjoy the cup of wine. A few points about being happy during this little section of the Passover Seder that generally generally only takes, you know, a few, maybe three or four minutes. Um, so the first thing is uh, get a cup of wine you like. Like, get something you like. Get something you enjoy. Uh, this is a time to spend money on wine if you want. Um, if you don't like wines, then drink grape juice, right? Um, but don't don't do one of these things where you take a sip and you go, oh my god, this is horrible. Ugh. Like, don't do that. I, you know, when I was young and growing up, so 
so the only thing, the only kosher wine that was around was Manischewitz, which was just really, really sweet and stuff. Um, still managed to get drunk on it one year. I was like eight and slept in a bunk bed. And I remember I kind of fell off the top bunk. And Okay, anyway, that, that's for another story. But the thing is like this. So you're going to drink the wine and you, you are, you do drink the, the full cup of wine. So you should drink at least like half the cup of wine, 3.3 ounces. But if you slam the whole cup of wine back, you know, you'll enjoy the Seder much more. Okay, so that's the first thing. Um, now, when you when you get to the, the text of the Kaddish, one of the things you, you say, you say a, a blessing over the wine, and then you say, a, you, you say an amazing thing. You say that, God, you have lovingly given us the appointed times for gladness and seasons of joy. In other words, you're saying you could stop. You could tell everyone, you know, a lot of times people read this part in Hebrew and they might read the whole Haggadah in English. But because it's a blessing, they say it in Hebrew, but people miss, it's so powerful, it's so wonderful. And people miss the whole point of it. So what you do is you, you can stop and you can say, you know, you know, God, what you did is, is you, you, you lovingly gave us a holiday to, to rejoice over. Like that should make you feel really good that creator of the universe gave you a holiday. And it says that you've chosen and sanctified us from all people. So again, you know, this idea that Jewish people are, we're different, we're chosen, we're sanctified. So again, that also should make you happy. And then when you finish this, you actually say a blessing. It's the famous Shachianu blessing. So this blessing is Shachianu v'kimanu v'yiganu It means, you know, blessed are you, God, King of the universe, who, who kept us alive and sustained us and brought us to the season. And I always make a big deal about this. We're thanking God we're alive. And you turn around, you want, you want to make people happy. You say, thank God we're alive. You know, uh, I, I remember, you know, during COVID, you know, people, the Passover Seder after COVID, people said, wow, you know, nobody in the room sick. You know, how great is this? Uh, no one in our family died. Oh, right. You know, but you, you stop and you say, oh, thank you, Hashem. I'm alive. And I'm at the season and we have a Passover table. So that's something that you can, you can be happy about. All right. That's uh, things. And, and this is the idea. You, as you go through, you read the prayers, you say, this is telling, I, I read this just now and I can be happy about it. Okay. So then the next thing we do is we do urchats to wash our hands. Then you do carpus, you dip the, the vegetable in the, in the salt water, you know, and, and some people say the salt water is symbolic of the, of the tears the Jewish people shed when they were, you know, they were slaves in Egypt. And you say, you know, thank God, you know, it's like, we're not physically enslaved today. You can talk about slavery. You can talk about, you know, how how we, we are slaves to people's perceptions and to our own limitations and that kind of stuff. But you know what? Today, you're not in jail. You're not living in Auschwitz. But And Egypt, by the way, that was Auschwitz. That was, that's what it was. I mean, it, it, was, it, was a death, it was a big death camp. That's what it was. We're not living there now. So just appreciating that and understanding that. You know, there, there, was, a, there was a great story. Um, um, uh, Nathan Sharansky, who you might have heard of, he was he was a very famous um, Russian refusenik. When the at the time the Russian government was not letting Jews out, he went on a hunger strike. He tried to leave uh, leave Russia. They put him in prison, and uh, you know, and he brought worldwide attention to the plight of Soviet Jewry. This is like in back in the early eighties, the late seventies, and the early eighties. Eventually, again, they, they, a lot of the Jews left Russia and he went to Israel and became a member of parliament, whatever. So he tells an amazing story when he, they, when he was celebrating Passover inside 
inside prison. So, you know, he, you know, he found uh, like a little, little bit of flour and he, you know, baked it and that was his matzah and he found like a mustard thing and that was his uh, bitter herb, you know, he had some raisins, he put some water in the raisins and he, you know, that raisins, you know, they just let that, that was his raisin wine, you know, and, and he said that he was never felt more free than when he was in that Soviet prison because he looked at the guards and the guards, they had to do whatever their superiors told them to do. And he said, but I, I'm free. Like I can be a Jew. Uh, I, no one, no one can take my self-respect away from me. No one has that, that power to get in me and take that away from me. It might take away my humanity. And, you know, so it gives you a new insight into what freedom is, you know, so he felt free, even though he was physically trapped. So, you know, you dip in the salt water, but you know what? Don't, don't cry. You know, you're not, you're not physically enslaved. Right. And, you know, we're, and we're, we have this holiday where we can get free. Okay. Then you get to Yachatz. Yachatz is you take the middle matzah and you break it and you put some of it away for later on for the afikoman. So on the Seder table, you have three matzahs. Now, generally we say at every Yom Tov, Shabbos and Yom Tov meal, you need two loaves of bread, two complete loaves of bread. So here we have, actually have three. I mean, they're matzahs, right? And then you take one and you break in the middle. So there are many explanations to this, by the way, but I'm just giving you one relating to happiness because that's what I want you to focus on through the Seder, just being in a good mood, how everything teaches you about happiness. You realize how, how fortunate we are in our day and age today? We, we are so, we're so wealthy. We're so... Uh, Opulence. I mean, it's amazing. You have more than you need today. The fact that we, you can even take, you need, you need two loaves, which is great. And you have three. So you broke one of them. Cause like I have extra. So just stop and recognize, you know, I really do have everything I need right now. Now you might not have everything you need to, to exist, you know, 30 years in retirement, uh, 20 of those years under palliative care. But, you know, you might not have enough to pay for all that. But today, you have exactly what you need. You have, you know, that's it. You got your, you have more than you need. So enjoy that and be happy with that. And I think that's a symbol of being able to take one of the matzahs out. I have more than I need. Okay. Then we're up the, the meat of the, of, the, of the Passover Seder. This is the Magid section. The Magid is very important because the Magid section is when you tell the story of the Jewish people, which is really the mitzvah of the evening. The, the one mitzvah is to eat matzah and, and to remember that, you know, the, all the symbolism of matzah, which we spoke about the last Life is Great podcast. Um, but the, and the other mitzvah is to tell over the story of the Jewish people, how we started off um, we were slaves or we were idolaters. And then, and then eventually God redeemed us and we became free people and we became a people connected with God. Okay. So tell over the story of, of the Jews. So when you start off the Magid, what you do is you pick up the piece of the broken matzah and you say, this is the poor bread that our, this is poor bread that our forefathers ate in the land of Egypt. Whoever's hungry, let them come and eat. Whoever's needy, let them come and celebrate Passover. So, the idea is an amazing thing here. We're, we're stopping. We're saying whoever's hungry, let him come and eat because that refers to physical neediness. And whoever's needy, spiritually poor, come and celebrate Passover and we'll take care of you that way. Two, me, two needs. We have physical needs. We have spiritual needs. You're inviting people to come to your Seder right now. So what side are you on? Are you on the giving side or are you on the receiving side? You're on the giving side. Because you're inviting people to come. Well, boy, oh boy, that's something to be happy about, isn't it? 
Isn't it? Shouldn't we just be rejoicing? Oh my gosh. I, I physically I'm on the giving side and spiritually I'm on the giving side. I can teach people more what it means to be Jewish. This should be something that should cause us to get up and dance around right then and there. Just an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. All right. Next year we are here. This year we are here. Next year we should be in, his, in Jerusalem. You know, that, that's the next thing. That's the next line. And again, you know, we're optimistic. All right. Beautiful. Okay. The next thing is um, with the four questions. So the four questions are very fun. So it's something I always like to focus on is, is you know, in, Ju in Judaism, we ask questions. Like, that's a good thing. It's good to ask questions. We like that. You don't have to think you know everything. You don't have to know everything. But we should be happy that we have a, a culture that tells everyone, ask questions. And it's okay to ask questions. And it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to give answers. It's okay to not give an answer or whatever. You know, all this is okay. So this is something that we is that is free. It is free to be inquisitive and to be have an open mind and say, I'm going to learn something from other people, right? Like that, that's that. And by the way, have an opinion and say, no, I don't, I think that's wrong. All of, you know, because we ask questions and then we give an answer. <laughs> you know, it's not like we just ask questions and say, oh, there's no answers. No, there's questions, there's answers. And the fact that we can have a discussion and work it out, again, that's something to be very, very grateful for. Now, there's a lot more that happens over in, in the Agata. We talk about how we, we started off as, as uh, idolaters and, and then eventually God, you know, we, we found one God. And that is amazing. It's huge, right? There's some people who think, oh, you know, Jews, you know, they're, they're, they're smarter, they're better looking, they run Hollywood, they, they have more money, right? They have the banks, right? Okay. Jews, we start off idolaters like everybody else. It's only because we connected with God that we receive these blessings. And I think when you stop, again, just focusing on that, that's very, very powerful. You know, we also, we were, we were slaves and now we're free. So you have the opportunity to be free. This makes us very happy. But the one, there is one prayer that is really focused on happiness. And that is the Dayenu prayer. And the Dayenu prayer is when we stop and we say, you know, God, you know, you brought us out of Egypt. It would have been enough. I would have been satisfied with it. You know what? You executed judgments against the Egyptians. That would have been enough. You executed judgments against the gods. Would have been enough. You slayed their firstborn. You gave us their wealth. But if you split the sea, brought us on dry land, all that would have been enough. God, it's so much. This is an exercise of gratitude. So you keep going. You drowned our oppressors and you provided for our needs in the desert 40 years. All this, you, it's, 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 it's to put into our souls. God has always loved us. He's always taken care of us. He's always blessed us. And you know what? When you walk away, when you remember that, in the future, you say, you know, God took care of me in the past. He'll take care of me in the future. And that is a good reason to be happy. And so this is how I'd like you to kind of look through the Agata. And as you do this, you'll see that you'll, you'll constantly be explaining to people why you're in a good mood and, and how that you could be in a good mood. And you're talking about Jewish stuff and that will, that, that will help them. Okay, so uh, introducing our fabulous producer, Dana Rutherford. Yay, Dana. So please share with us. You have some questions from our <clears throat> audience. So, so please you, uh, share with them and we'll, we'll get into them. Thanks, Rabbi Wine. Hi, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful week. And okay, so we have two questions today. And the first one is the following. How should you shake yourself out of a negative mood? Or what if you have a family member who is consistently in a bad mood? And you know you're going to see them at the Seder. 
what should you do and how should you stay positive? Oh my gosh, that's so great. So I always say the joke, <laughs> you got to spend Passover Seder with people you like. And then there's always someone who says, well, what if you have to be with your family? Okay. Dum dum. Okay, this is how it works. You ready? You've got to live above it. So realize that you you may, you choose your mood right now. Now, if someone were to walk in and say, hey, guess what? You just won megabucks. You know what? But you got to smile the whole day. The next three hours, you got to smile. You'd smile to collect the money, right? So because So if you're not happy inside, act happy. Fake it, fake it, fake it, fake it till you make it. That's how you got to do it. And by the way, it does work. When you look into a mirror and you smile into the mirror, the guy looking back at you is smiling too. So if you literally just say, I, I'm in a lousy mood. I'm tired. My back hurts. Um, I'm angry at some people at the table. I have some real issues. You say, I'm going to act as happy as I possibly can. I'm going to smile. I'm going to joke around. I'm going to just enjoy. There are moments where I have had, where I've been at a Shabbos table, say, and it was very stressful. Uh, you know, I didn't like the conversation. Um, the people were not in a good mood. It was not, it, it was not a good experience. I, I've been in those situations. What I do is I literally remind myself that I'm stand, sitting, usually sitting before Hashem. And I put God in my mind right now. And then I take a piece of my mind and I focus on something that I really, really enjoy, like a place that I really, really enjoy. Like I'm on the mountain skiing or something like that with God in the table. So in a certain sense, I'm less present in that table because there's just so much schmutz around. I don't want to deal with it. That, that, that has happened. But you don't have to be schmutzy just because there's schmutz around. There's negative people. Or you don't have to buy into that. You can keep smiling. You can be happy. And if you're really unhappy, then fake being happy. And if you need to mentally kind of remove yourself a little from the situation, even though physically you are there, then that's what you do. So that's it. Excellent. Strong mind will override your body, by the way. It really, it really does. So. All right. And the second question is, if I'm hosting the Seder for the first time ever, what should I focus on when I'm reading the Haggadah? My concern is that I might disappoint older family members, but at the same time, I don't want to lose the younger ones. What should I do? Okay, so the essence of the Haggadah is that we started off as idolaters and in slavery, and eventually we found Hashem, and Hashem redeemed us. So it really, that, that is it, like, like one sentence. So you got to go through the Haggadah. We're not going to do it now. I won't give all the nitty-gritty details. But there's, but there's certain things you must say, and there's a whole bunch that you can skip if you make sure you say the things you need to say. So if it's a, you're in a difficult situation, shorten the Haggadah. Uh, do, it in, do it in English, in language people understand. Um, make sure that it is a fun evening by getting props for the plagues, for sure. And... And that's, you know, but, but just make sure you, 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 everyone walks away when, by the time they get to dinner, they all know the story of the Jewish people. They know the essence of the story of the Jewish people, and they're connecting with the fact that they can be more free. It's, and it's relevant for them. Today. So that's that way to go. Thank you so much for joining us. 
And uh, we will have another, you know, Happiness Haggadah Part 2 coming up very soon. We'll publish that soon. But in the meantime, have a fantastic Passover and things should be great. Thanks for listening to the Life is Great podcast. Share this with your friends and they will love you for it. If you have questions or comments, please email me at rabbiyitzwine at gmail.com. That's R-A-B-B-I-Y-I-T-Z-W-Y-N-E at gmail. For more content, check out our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thank you to Dana Rutherford for producing today's episode. And remember... If you decide to make it a great day, then your life will be great. Thank you for listening and being part of the Life is Great community. To keep these podcasts and other awesome programs available for free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation at yiaishlv.org backslash contribute.